This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled The Sleepy Time Train, and our author, Dr. Ted Steliotis. Welcome, sir, to the program. Oh, thank you, Jay. This is a book that is geared towards younger audiences. Uh, you are busy as a dentist and have other things that you're involved in. Why did becoming a child, a children's book author become important to you, and what's the inspiration behind this story? Well, I've, I've always liked children's books, and I think it's great. It's a really, honestly, just a really great way to relax and to be creative um, and I love the illustrations, and we have color. And this book in particular was a story um, that my mother used to tell um, me and my brothers, and there's five of us, and that is actually Jim, Mark, Paul, Greg, and Ted of the book. And and it's about how we go looking for um, the sleepy time train to take us to dreamland, and on the way we learn about modes of transportation. So I really this was a really great homage to my mother um and of course i changed it and elaborated it a little bit but um it's really it was a gift started off as a gift for her and for my um, my four brothers what age group do you think is going to be the uh, most receptive to your story i think the age group is going to be uh three to eight three to eight years old. And as you begin to write this, of course, you had the history of the story being told to you by your parent. How long did it take you to actually pen this version of the story? You know, it didn't take that long. I think I actually did it in an airport. And it was one of those things where I said, you know, I'm just going to put down into words what I remember. Um, and it's funny, as I gave it to my mother when it was still in the um, prototype stage, she was like, gosh, Ted, I don't really remember <laughs> all of this that you put in there. But we did add a lot um, to it and change it. But the basic story was there. But a lot of it is just getting your thoughts down, um, trying to be you know, visual, think like a child again. And remember that you're trying to teach you know, a lesson, you know, some sort of lesson. And, and what is the lesson you're trying to teach with this? Well, this, it's multiple. You know, we're trying to teach them colors. Um, modes of transportation, the difference between a train, a tugboat, a bus, um, and what makes them different, what type of roads or what type of, are they, fly, are they flying, are they on a track, are they on a road, um, definitely teamwork as the brothers work together um, to find the sleepy time train um, and what that entails. So it's color, teamwork. Um, modes of transportation, and also in this book, which is kind of fun, like in the highlight books, we hid objects in the illustrations, so later on the kids can go back and find the little baseball that Mark held, or the top hat that Jim wore, or the teddy bear that Ted would carry, and they're kind of hidden in the book, which makes it a lot of fun for them later. Uh, you used some imaginative names for describing the streets, too. You've uh, got Bunk Bed Road, Moondust Street, and other other uh, cute names that have been included in your book. 
did that come easily to you also with the story, or was that something you had to add later? Well, that is something that um, I, it was something that I added as I was writing it. I was trying to figure out how to make it a little whimsical rather than they, than they just turned left and went down, you know. So I'm trying to think, you know, what, what what's, what's goes along with sleeping? Well, bunk beds. We grew up, at least my brothers and I grew up in bunk beds. And moon dust is great because this is happening like at twilight, you know what I mean, as the sun goes down, you know. So the colors are kind of, you know, you know it's not dark. Um, and we set the story to, you know, reach the train, I think, at 8 o'clock. You know, the take the train. You know, leaves for um, for Dreamland. You know, not midnight, but eight o'clock, so kids can understand that their bedtime sometimes it is a little earlier than you know what the parents would want to go to bed. Right. I know with my children, I uh, especially in the summertime, we had uh, daylight savings time in the part of the United States I'm located, and uh, I was trying to be a, a you know a reg- regimented parent. Uh, you need to be in bed by nine o'clock. Well, in our area. Kids are still out till ten o'clock playing football in the front yard, so it was a it was a challenge. This yeah. one is to set the mood and set the mode for for sleeping and resting. Though is is that the sort of the underlying message you're trying to uh, convey? Yes, definitely. And actually, we're working on an audio book where the the music to it will kind of like help lullaby them to sleep for it. And the sleepy time train actually is the first of a series. Um, that I'm creating. Um, they're called the Spar- Spartan Brothers, which, you know, we are from Sparta, Greece. So we're trying to take the four um, element, four major components of, the, of Greece um, history, such as um, music, mathematics, um, astrology. Um, so in the next sequel to this book, the boys end up in the island of the crescent moon which is really the island of santorini where they learn about mythical characters on their way to search where music comes from so the second book will be teaching kids where is music and the third book is going to teach them about the stars and the sky and astronomy and then the fourth of the series will teach them more about basic mathematics so the Sleepy Time Train is a really kind of a great introduction of Dreamland because in Dreamland they can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, they can go into the ocean, they can go into space. So I really wanted to make it a little educational, along with the fact that they can go anywhere they choose. Because in Dreamland, you know, the Sleepy Time Train can take them there. And what's nice for kids or parents when they read them the story. They can ask the child in the morning, you know, where did the sleepy time train take you? You know, where did you go? You know, on your on your sleep, you know, on your train ride with the sleepy time train. We know where the boys went. They went to the island of the crescent moon. But where did you go? And it'd be it'd be nice to hear back from parents and people that read the book and say, well, my child, in their dream, the sleepy time train took them here. You know, so that that that's really what it's doing is helping um, kids with their own imagination and hopefully um, be conscious of their own dreams. 36 pages. I think you've done a wonderful job of laying the groundwork for your subsequent books. This one may be whimsical and directed towards something a little benign such as sleep, but the uh, follow-up books are going to actually teach some rudimentary and important lessons. Right. Absolutely. We needed the sleepy time train had to be a foundation to explain it. So we did make it kind of basic, 
basic, and then they'll get maybe a little more advanced, but still fun and still for the same age group, maybe a little bit older, you know, as, as they go. But I think they'll always be filled with incredible illustrations. Um, Pamela Thompson did the illustrations. She went to a Juilliard for art, and they're all done in, in crayon and pencils, which I think is, an, is a really interesting um, media that she uses. And I thought she did an amazing job capturing the the words of the book. You know, I did not go over with her where what pictures to create. You know, I didn't want to in, impede on her creativity. And she came back with sketches of what she saw when she read the book without any illustrations or um, direction from me. And I thought she did an amazing job. Yeah, Pamela and did. She, she's also already... She's, Starting the work on um, the Sleepy Time Train and the Island of the Crescent Moon, but I also have a second book coming out um, called How Did You Get So Cute? <laughs> so she's illustrating that. That's almost done. And then another one is ready to go to the publisher, and that's called Good Morning, Good Morning, Good Morning to You. And that's a story about a single father who is me, and as he wakes up his son every morning, and he says, good morning, good morning, good morning to you. And then the house, the objects in the home, um, sing back to the little boy, good morning, good morning, good morning to you, such as the curtains or a painting or an angel or something. So this is the writing has been um, a lot of fun for me. Well, it's exciting, the, uh, an, an additional career to the one you already are deeply involved in as, uh, as a dental uh, specialist. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, dentistry is very creative, and this is just another creative outlet, which I really enjoy. And um, it's, it's, it was, I'm really excited to get the book out there and get, hopefully, positive feedback and, and create like a little, maybe a little following. Have you had younger uh, readers read your book and give you some immediate uh, satisfaction or feedback from from what they've read i actually have i have a lot of friends with kids so i definitely did the old um, i need you to read your kids this book before you go to bed and give me the feedback and um and they liked it everyone enjoyed it everyone enjoyed the pictures um this is where we got the age group kind of targeted from you know three to eight um little kids are too small they just wanted to eat the book um <laughs> then you know, your kids got a little too old for it because it's kind of, um, you know, very repetitive. It's a repetitive book. So because we're, we're really teaching um, the colors or what, or what mode of transportation, you know, has wheels or rides on a track and, and things. So it can be a little, in a positive way, repetitive for education. But as an older child, they're like, oh, I understand that. So that helped a lot. So within the age group, the kids loved it. Um, the older kids loved the book. But the older kids was interesting is that they were able to give advice on what age group they re- would recommend it for. Fascinating. You know, so it was really um, a nice experience. You've mentioned the hidden objects in the in the sketches in the drawings on the page. Did you provide that input to Pamela, or did she come up with those herself? Oh, that was a big ordeal. She actually did tiny little pencil sketches of the objects. Hmm. And then I had to send them to a friend of mine who's a photographer. And it had to be done in layers. So he had to take the, take the computerized image, scanned image of each photograph, I mean, each drawing, and then layer in the baseball, and then layer in the 
walking stick, then layer in the top hat. So each picture, and this is a little confusing for me, but from a computer person, they probably understand, but each picture has almost five or six layers. And one layer is completely clear, except for that tiny little, you know, pencil drawing. Little pencil, wow. Yeah, so it was, um, that, was a, that was a big deal. Now, congratulations on this done. one. This one is, is a, a charming book, The Sleepy Time Train. Our author, Dr. Ted Silotis. Sir, where can my listeners get a copy of this book? Well, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff on um, GoFundMe because I really want to um, uh, create a following there. And then I have a web page called Dr. Ted's Books, um, D-R-T-E-D-S Books, and that's where we're going to be selling the book. And I'll also be able to find it on Amazon. Um, an audio book will be coming soon. Um, but just follow um, my webpage at drtedsbooks.com. And we'll, I'll give you as much information as we can. We're just launching it right now. So it's a big, this is a big, very exciting, a lot of things going on. Best of luck with this. This is a great idea and one that should be received by parents, grandparents, and children alike. So thank you again for writing this and for sharing your story. Oh, thank you so much, Jake. Thanks for having me on your show. My pleasure. This one, again, is titled The Sleepy Time Train, and it's uh, written by Dr. Ted Stelotis, and that's spelled S-T-E-L-I-O-T-E-S. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. Oh, no problem, Jake. Thank you. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Lots of Laughs, Funny Side of Everything, and the author is Ben Sheldon, and Ben joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Ben. Yeah, hello, Steve. Great to have you with us. Boy, we need to laugh. There is too many serious things going on. It's always better to laugh than cry. In fact, uh, when you started here, when you were born, they, instead of crying, you were laughing. <laughs> so, Ben, this book that's a book of jokes and hilarious observations, uh, you've been recording them in your notebooks over several years. Uh, how did that come about? Why did you start doing that? It's a, a habit of mine. You know, whenever I find something unique or unusual, I know it could be a fleeting thing, you know. So I immediately recorded, not knowing what was going to happen in the future, you know. 
And uh, in fact, the oldest joke I have in here which goes back to 1968. You know, so it's over many years, and all these uh, jokes and observations uh, have been in the books and notebooks and little books and all over the place. And then uh, one day, you know, I just started to collect them. You know, and I gathered them all together into it turned out to be several pages. I, there's still a lot left. You know. And so I looked at them. They didn't kind of fit into one category. They didn't look like one type of joke. So, so I uh, categorized them, and uh, turned out to come under about seven chapters, seven types of of, of uh, jokes. Yeah. You know? And uh, so I uh, uh, compiled them, and it turned out uh, it was enough for this book. You know? Well, all the humor is innocent and harmless fun at ourselves, as you put it, our social and political and religious mores. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's meant to laugh with and not at the subjects of humor. You're just trying to yeah, laugh absolutely. along. Absolutely. Right. Have, so, you, yeah, you have different uh, chapters here, different categories. Uh, politics can be funny, too. You have fun with yeah. words, chuckles yeah. from everywhere, ethnic Laugh at your risk, you put it. Uh, tongue twisters, belief, with all seriousness aside, and then bedroom humor, not for the prude. So, seven different categories. Well, well, uh, before we uh, before we hear some of your examples of of these uh, laughs, uh, laughing along with uh, different categories here. Uh, what have you been doing most of your life? I mean, what's your background? Well, I started out as an engineering student uh, in petroleum engineering. <laughs> I studied in England, and I, and then I came. You know, I had a master's degree in the U.S., and then I came over to the Bay, San Francisco Bay Area, and. Uh, I, I worked uh, also in engineering for a while, and then gradually kind of drifted into other things like real estate and this and that. But um, actually, on the side also, I I was uh, studying uh, uh, writing. In fact, uh, for a stint, I was an assistant editor to a technical national technical magazine. And so that was my introduction to writing and all that. But... uh, and then in the Bay Area, I kind of drifted into other things and um, got some investments in, in real estate and all that. And so I was able to kind of indulge into side things, you know, with a little side income. And all the time I was just writing things and um, stuff like that. But this is the first time I I compiled my joke book. I've had I have two other novels, but and two books of poetry, but this is the first joke book. You know, Actually, one of the poetry books uh, that I wrote was had also a funny section, you know, of poems, you know. Uh, so it's just, uh, this is always, this humor has been always part of me. I've always seen the, the funny side of things. You yeah, know? you're involved in some pretty serious things, but that's always been a part of you to kind of look on the lighter side. So why don't we uh, have you share with us uh, some examples from... The different categories. Why don't we start with politics? What's some of your favorite there? Just a couple of them. Well, um, 
um, these are one-liners, everyone. Really, I mean, they're just basically one or two liners, aren't they? They are mostly one-liners, you know. And um, well, uh, uh, in politics, it's my favorite one is, um, of course, you know about Ross Perot that uh, before he uh, he decided to run for election, that he, he actually had his last name was Lee, and he was Ross Perot Lee. I <laughs> <laughs> decided to remove Lee. Because I, I do mention in the, in the cover that, you know, some of these may not be necessarily true, but it's just kind of a, a protected speech on satire, you know. And sure. so, so uh, I got away with that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, share a, cu- a couple more, and then we'll take some from uh, each category. Yeah. And then under chapter two, fun with words, you know, uh, I said uh, space donkeys are astronauts, (laughs) A-S-S-S, astronauts. (laughs) And and, then chuckled from everywhere. My favorite one is that the lawyer uh, is talking to his mother-in-law, and he says, uh, you have the right to remain silent, you know. (laughs) And... The the other category was um, an, an, an ethnic. A, a Turkish Ottoman uh, went into politics to revive the Ottoman Empire. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so this thing kind of occurred to me, uh, and uh, I was uh, right another time because when I think about it, like I couldn't sit down and, and say I'm going to write a book today because I would never remember these things. So. That's why I write all these things as they occur to me. You know, mm-hmm. the other category says, and the belief it says, um, sinners play badminton and priests play goodminton. <laughs> <laughs> of course, and and the bedroom humor. So I I said for the proof because I. For those, you know, who it's too risky for them, you know, so they know <laughs> it may not be, you know, they may not uh, have their uh, children or prudish relatives <laughs> read it, you know. But anyway, um, under the bedroom humor, we have the, uh, it says, uh, whipping in S&M is not what it is cracked up to be. Then there's then, uh, you 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 didn't uh, give us anything from tongue twisters. Give us some of those. Yeah, the tongue tongue twisters. Um, it says um, a doctor from India doing medical research put an ad in the paper. The ad said, "I seek six 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 s i k s." You know the the right. category. Right. The, the you know the group in India the Sikhs um, uh, you know they have turbans and beards so it says I seek six six Sikhs try to say that twenty times without you know. I've been you know I told a friend of mine if you can say that uh, twice you're yeah, good you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's like you have focused on it's just fun to laugh uh, it's innocent and harmless fun at ourselves and course, our social, political, and religious mores. Uh, do you see? Do you see uh, coming out with a, another edition of this? Or yeah, because I this is probably uh, maybe 
um, a third of all the things I have recorded over the years, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the oldest one is I said I mentioned it was 1968, and uh, and then I got some in the 70s, 80, all the way to now, you know. I, I just um, went through the books going, you know, I just wrote them down. Uh, 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 there was, um, okay, the one going, the oldest one, uh, it says here that, because um, it was 1968, I guess there were, there were 200 million Americans, I say, I guess. It says we're 200 million Americans, it says 1968. Surely there must have been some pilgrim mothers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That was the oldest one. <laughs> well, as you've pointed out, we want to make sure everyone there are references to real known personalities that are you know, and they're not necessarily true. All done in parody, uh, just being satirical. Yeah, uh, I got you know. I I wasn't <laughs> sure whether you could do that, uh, but uh, I remember that um, somebody. Uh, wrote uh, about uh, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, he, he said he's a big fat guy, you know, and, and he threatened to go to court. And 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 the guy said, "No, this protected speech." You know? <laughs> so I figured uh, if he got away with that, I think this is okay, you know, as a parody, you know. And when you're a public figure like that, yes, uh, you have to roll with the punches. They come, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, Ben, why don't you tell us the best way to get your book? How do we get it? Well, it's it's uh, yeah, through Author House, through Barnes and Noble, <laughs> and through Amazon. The title again, everyone: Lots of Laughs. Uh, L O T S A. Lots of Laughs. Funny side of everything, and we've been talking with Ben Sheldon. He is the author, and we appreciate you being with us, Ben, on Author Talk. Thank you very much. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Soul Shift. And the author is Candace Beck Mesta. And Candace joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Candace. Hi. This book, Soul Shift, you kind of take us into this realm of uh, elves, uh, but at the same time, we're focused on the flawed characters, uh, which even could be reflected in 
humans today. So you've got a lot of symbolism going on. Yes, that's true. There are There is a lot of symbolism. <clears throat> and I think even showing uh, the story in two different realms shows the duality uh, that most people represent these days. Now, this whole uh, focus on this other this other uh, existence of elves, what, what fascinates you about that? How did that uh, get into the story? Oh, I've loved elves ever since I was just a little girl. Um, you know, I had actually created a character when I was about 15 or 16 um, by the name of Ayan, and uh, I just decided to incorporate um, that character into this story. Um, the story itself was actually, uh, the premise was based on a dream I had one night, and I just uh, took that sort of base plot from that dream and rearranged some things, added some characters in there, and then, of course, uh, some lessons that I thought would be appropriate, um, you know, for people to kind of to pick up on and, and maybe apply to their own selves or maybe situations in their own lives. So we have this character, Claire. It starts out, she's only 10 years of age, but there's something within her. Yes. Yeah, um, absolutely. She's uh, She has an elven soul inside of her body through no fault of her own. Um, you know, in other words, bad things ca- happen to good people, so to speak. Um, she's not aware of any of that, but she does have a destiny to follow. Um, she has to find out about all of this and then achieve her potential. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of heartache and, and, and a hard road ahead for that. A lot of secrets are, you know, they come out. People don't people aren't always what they seem. People are not always honest about who they are, and she she does indeed find that out. And of course, there is the uh, antagonist in this plot, uh, Anne. He is a powerful, infamous half elf. Now she is under his spell well he's responsible for her condition um Ayan is sort of a pet project for me he um he represents both good and bad how bad the nature can actually be in someone but then also the story of redemption um you know if you read the book you'll see that but uh, you know i don't i don't believe anything is, is absolutely certain with anyone um I, i'm always a sucker for a good redemption story so the bad guy can can try to um, redeem himself in some way, um, but yeah, he does cause he causes a lot of trouble there for a bit. Um, he, that it, he has to take time to to see throughout the ages, you know, his mistakes and, and try to come to terms with that as well. Because he would like to use her for his evil purposes. Indeed, um, he was misled uh, in some fashion as to what he would have to do to achieve what was taken from him, which was his eternal life, um, you know, as an immortal elf. Um, he was told by someone of not good character, you know, something that he needed to do. And, of course, it wasn't the right action. He, a- he acted very hastily um, and created this entire situation with, with Claire, um, you know. And that's where Agrius steps in and helps to try to resolve that situation. So she is a, this Agrius, uh, is, is a woman, man? He is, a, he, is, he is actually a lesser uh, pan in Greek mythology. Um, he was, he's one of the sons of Hermes. Um, so he actually has human form, 
uh, whereas most pan satyrs and fauns in Greek uh, history or mythology, um, you know, have maybe the lower half of a goat or something like that. But he, but he does have human form uh, because of who his his parentage is. You know, his father's Hermes in the in in the mythology. So um, you know, he's a very magical, very powerful being and um he recognizes right away that who she is or what is inside of her and that she does indeed need assistance and she she couldn't accomplish this on her own so he makes it his business to step in and and take action so he is there to keep her safe but will it always be that way yeah there's you know at some point there becomes a little bit of an ulterior motive on his part and that's just to show that nothing is in black and white there are many gray areas um, in life and people are not like I said always what they seem or always honest about their intentions and maybe it's maybe it's not purposeful maybe it's something that develops later on but um, yeah I think everybody uh, kind of has their own agendas at different times and so that is reflected as the story goes on so we have different themes throughout the book greed love hate revenge and of course as we see Often all around us, those in power attempting to control more innocent people. Exactly. I think that if we look at today, we can see a lot of that going on in our own society. Um, If you take away the magic and you take away the fantasy of it and just apply it to to actual reality and life, a lot of those themes uh, throughout the book can be seen with people in everyday relationships. Now, you have a very special ending. We're not going to give it away, uh, but it may be asked of you why you chose to end the book in the way you did. Well, it was a vicious cycle um, that would have continued throughout the ages, and I love Shakespeare, so um, that's the best answer that I can give on that (laughs) without giving anything away. So you've got these moral themes running through it. You've got this... Uh, opposition that all humans face this uh, flawed part of our humanity and you're pointing it out very dramatically through this other realm indeed Uh, between the two realms if you if you take like I said and try to look at it from a human perspective rather than through you know magical eyes or or whatever um, they have just as many problems in their own realm as, as people do here things to work out um in the story the best and the worst is brought out in in certain characters which is true of of people here um you know of every person sometimes the best is brought out or the worst and it just really addresses those situations um how we may respond to a similar situation how we would react if we were in that that particular uh type type of situation ourselves so um, even though it is more dramatic uh, in their realm, that's, you know, anytime you have immortal, magical creatures, things do tend to get a little bit more dramatic, I think. Well, and in that drama, often we, life can be so black and white at times, but then it can drift into that gray area, and that sounds like where you spend a lot of time. Yes, because I don't believe that anyone is beyond redemption. Um so I take, for instance, a character that's definitely not such a such a great person in the beginning, made towards uh, a later part of the the story, end up seeking a redemption, seeking for understanding, 
and perhaps wanting to be better than what they are. And I think that's a good thing for anyone who feels like they have, you know, fallen into a pattern of not of not being who they were they were meant to be. And uh, anyone can be misled or be lied to and um, and end up in a bad place. And you just always want to leave open room for them to to come back and to actually show that they have good qualities. Um, and the same is true in the reverse. You can have people that start off, uh, you know, characters that start off in a good way and they start off seeming to be honest and genuine, and then they can sort of get drugged down into, uh, you know, some bad patterns and and perhaps they end up being a little less honest than we think they are. So I wanted to show um, the opposition on that. Because ultimately, as you point out, balance must be obtained. Absolutely. There had to be balance in the end, and I, I, I think that I think there absolutely was. It may not be, um, it may not have been the type of balance that um, <laughs> that you might would expect, but you know, it does bring balance. And often, balance uh, there's a high price for balance. Often, there is. Um, a lot of times, there's a lot of suffering that goes along with with that, and um, it's sort of a, a birthing process, I suppose. You know, with destruction, it comes reverse. So that's kind of how I look at it. When when one thing ends, another thing can begin. And perhaps, you know, maybe it'll be done better the next time uh, around. So I think that, that that is a is a big responsibility of the ending to show that. The title of this book, Soul Shift. And we've been listening to the author, Candace Beck-Mesta. Candace, what's the best way to get your book? Well, <clears throat> You can find it on Amazon. Um, it can be ordered through um, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, anywhere books are sold. Author House uh, you know, also is a very good resource for that. You can purchase it directly from their website. Thank you so much, Candace, for joining us on Author Talk. Well, thank you so much.